everybody. This is Megan. Welcome to the Shine a Light podcast. I have another Skype call today. Today I am interviewing Aubrey. So Aubrey, I'm going to let you introduce yourself to everybody. Okay. Hi, I'm Aubrey. Um, I am a mother of one adorable little boy. I'm a wife. I am a daughter. And I'm a teacher and a photographer. And a lover of yoga. And basically adventuring. <laughs> Great. So Aubrey, what exactly did you want to shine a light on? Um, so I guess the big thing was, is I wanted to shine a light on, um, like different stroke survival, uh, stroke survival and also, um, people with invisible illnesses and kind of, um, bringing that to light a little bit more. Great. So, when did you have your stroke? And I guess before you even tell us about that, before you had your stroke, how much did you know about strokes? Um, so not that much actually. So I guess like my preconceived notion is that strokes were for older people. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, my step grandfather had one and like, you know, we kind of knew about like the droopy faces and you know, he had a little bit of the aphasia, you know, like the um, difficulty talking. But, you know, I kind of thought that it was just for, like, old people. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that it was something else that happened. Right. So how old were you when the, when it happened to you? Uh, 31. Okay. Okay. So young. So tell us what happened. Walk us through that when that happened. Okay. So... <laughs> I always, this story is always very crazy. So, um, at the time I was teaching BK and, um, it was the day before Christmas break. And I don't know if any teachers listen in on this podcast, but, um, the Friday before Christmas break is real crazy. I can imagine. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I mean, and as a teacher, you're just kind of like counting down the minutes, like, because they're just so wound up. They're so excited. And, um, oddly enough, my mom actually came and, um, she volunteered in the classroom that day. Um, she came down, my, my family lives in Edwardsburg and, um, sorry if you're hearing some noise in the background, I apologize for that. Um, but anyway, she came down to help and to just do an activity with my kids. And, um, we went out to lunch that day, which another teacher thing that doesn't happen very often, but I was talking to her and saying, my gosh, the kids seem so loud today. They're so, so loud. And she's like, she looked at me kind of funny, and she's like, they don't seem that loud. Are you feeling okay? And I'm like, yeah, I feel okay. And, you know, I felt like I'd, I'd had a headache coming on, and I was kind of new to, to migraine headaches. I started having migraine headaches in August, and I'd never had them before in my life. So I knew it was like kind of coming on, but I was like just pushing through because I'm like, I got two weeks break coming and I just got to get all these things done. And so, um, anyway, the day came and went and then I went home and was singing, having fun with my little boy to full dinner. And then I started to not feel very good. And, um, I was like, I think I'm just getting a really bad headache. I don't feel very well. And I took an Epsom salt bath because sometimes that. I know it sounds super weird, but like sometimes it helps. Mm-hmm. And um, then, like all hell broke loose. Like I was like vomiting profusely. Like I could not stop. 
and I was like disoriented and I couldn't like I was ha- like my husband's like are you all right are you all right and I've you know as a teacher I'm a seasoned teacher I have had like stomach flus before like yeah. <laughs> working with young kids you know but this is like something totally different and I thought I might have like my appendix might have burst or something because it was really violent really crazy and I had a terrible headache and so he's like we're going to the hospital he's like I'm not and so we loaded up my son who was just um 13 months old at the time and um we loaded him up drug him out of bed and we went to the hospital and there were a lot of sick kids there so I told my husband I'm like I'll make it I'll be okay and why don't you take him home because like I I just you know it doesn't seem to matter how sick you are like that mothering instinct kind of kicks in I guess (laughs) but um so I did I was so I waited I waited for two hours like just continuously vomiting and I couldn't it was it was awful then all of a sudden I lost my right like my right vision was closing in and like I was I lost all my right peripheral vision and I was having a hard time seeing and I told the nurses I'm like when am I gonna get in like now I can't see like you don't know what kind of day I've had like like, I've been traumatized by these kids all day and I was like just so out of it like things were starting to like blur together and I mean, I don't know if you or anybody else has ever been in an emergency room at like three o'clock in the morning, but it, especially on a Friday, it's a trip. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I have not for me, but with family members, and yeah, it's not fun, and it's super frustrating when you're trying to get attention or someone to like notice you because there's a million other things going on. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, can somebody just give me some Zofran or something so I can like stop throwing up? And so. She's like, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it. And I'm like, why can't I see? Something's wrong. Why can't I see? And, like, they just looked at me really confused. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. So they, like, brought me back, and then they made me sit down for, like, another hour. Well, there were so many people in the waiting room. There was, like, I was actually stuck in a hallway. Like, they put me in, like, in a hallway, and I'm trying to talk to the doctor and he's like, well, I think you're having a little bit of a stomach flu. And they did, like, a CT of my abdomen. He's like, your appendix are fine. And I'm like, well, why is it that I can't see? And why do I still have this terrible headache? And he's like, well, I think you're having a migraine. And he's like, well, we're going to do a CT of your head. So keep in mind, I'm by myself still. And, mm-hmm. like, it's, the, like, it's you know, I, at this time it's, like, 4 o'clock in the morning right. or something. Right. And I had been up almost 24 hours at that point. So between, like, the throwing up and everything else I just like spent so he's like well this is very strange but he goes I he's like we're gonna give you a brain CT just to cover our bases and then so then the doctor came in I'm waiting in there and like he comes and he starts talking to me and all I hear is we're gonna admit you to the hospital and I just like stared at him and then I asked the nurse I'm like what did the doctor just tell me like I don't even remember what he told me mm-hmm. <laughs> And she just kind of stared at me. Like, they all probably thought I was nuts at this point. And, and I'm like, can you ask him to come back in? And then he's like, I told you you had a stroke. Oh, my and gosh. I was, like, I was like, well, shit. I think I need to call my husband. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, it was just like a kind of like a surreal moment, you know, when you are almost like outside of yourself right. there for a minute. Um, so then I was admitted. So I called my husband. He was like, What? no way like you know and 
he was feeling, and he still to this day feels like extremely guilty that he wasn't there. Like, you know, it wouldn't have happened if he was there, but you know, we know that's not true. Right. But, um, and then we were trying to get hold of my mom and my parents to get them to come down <laughs> to help with my son. So yeah, that's wow. kind of the, the okay. how. <laughs> yeah. So as those symptoms, as you were having those symptoms, did stroke even cross your mind as a possibility? No. Yeah. I didn't. I no, I was like, out. I was shocked. Yeah. Okay. And then there was something else you said. Um, do they know why? Like what caused the stroke? Or does it just happen? Um, so that's kind of an interesting topic on my side. Um, so, you know, there's all these different risk factors. Um, like high blood pressure is a risk factor, um, like high blood sugar is a high risk factor, um, family history, you know, and I think like, you know, drug use and like those kinds of things are risk factors. I don't have like any of those. Okay. And so they couldn't find a blood clot. It wasn't a bleeding type of stroke. It was a ischemic mm-hmm. type. And so, um, so I've had all kinds of heart tests done because there's, you know, for some people they have what's called a PFO, which is actually like a hole um, in between their, in their heart mm-hmm. that sometimes blood clots can go through. And I don't have that. I've had all the tests for that. So the running theory is, is like a migraine caused my stroke. Hmm. And so it's kind of an interesting set of circumstances for me because um, I had a little bit of an environmental change and um, I was never, and nobody in my family has had migraines. It's not a predisposition right. or anything like that. But um, yeah, so okay. kind of kind of an unknown. Yeah. Yeah, which which is not settling, I'm sure, for you. Um, no. Because I think we always want to reason when things like this happen. And I think people hearing this will want to know, well, what caused it? Because they don't want it to happen to them. That's, I, I feel like that's what, what's going to happen. Um, so once you were admitted to the hospital, how long did you have to stay in the hospital? So I was um, admitted for two and a half days. I got out on um, Christmas Eve. And yeah, yeah, that was really hard. And um, one of the things they tell you, you know, they give you discharge paperwork and they never really had my headaches under control in the hospital. Um, They kept trying all this different medicine. None of it was working. And then they kind of gave me like a whole bunch of Tylenol and sent me home. And they said, if you have a severe headache to come back to the ER immediately. Mm -hmm. Well, that happened on Christmas morning. So that was kind of a depressing thing too. Yeah. Um, we're going to get into like your recovery, but every time you have a headache, are you worried now? I mean, I think that now I'm starting to get a little bit more understanding of like what my headaches look like Mm -hmm. because when I, sometimes if I go into now a really bad migraine pattern, um, and I can kind of talk about that too, because I still have, uh, what is, they consider more than likely permanent vision loss. And so mm-hmm. I think we don't really know, and we're still trying to figure this part out though, that um, like the headaches are being triggered from like a visual component. Mm-hmm. But now if I get a really bad headache pattern, something that happens is like hemoplegic migraines, which are, um, they kind of mimic strokes, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> which is a little 
unsettling. So like sometimes I'll get like my face becomes very numb or my arms kind of gets a little numb. And and one of the first few times that happened, it was, it was like terrifying. I'm like, Oh no, this is happening again. And, um, yeah. And I can, um, get into that yeah yeah we'll get into that in in a minute but first I wanted to ask like so immediately after I know you had to go back in on Christmas um what Mm -hmm. else did you have to do for like recovery and follow-up so um so they gave you this whole list of like all these doctors you're supposed to follow up with and I feel kind of bad now. Like, I don't know if this poor um, ophthalmologist is ever going to listen to this podcast, but he's going to hear my apology here now. <laughs> so, um, so one of the things we had to do is follow up with an ophthalmologist because they want to see if like a blood clot in your eye caused your stroke. Because mm-hmm. um, I had what's called an occipital stroke. So, you know, like, um, you know, that connects to your vision. And, um, so they have you go to see an ophthalmologist and when you're in like the really bad migraine patterns and you're being dilated and like lights shine in your eyes and everything. It Oof, makes, yeah. That just like made like, me shiver. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I was, and like this guy's like, well, looks all good. Time to go home. And I was like, wait, why did I come to see you? Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, we just have to make sure you don't have a blood clot. And he's like, let's have you back in here to do a visual field test. So I was like, I stare at him. I'm like, what good are you? Like, mm-hmm. this was a huge waste of my time. Like, I've never seen a doctor leave the room so fast. Like, I'm that poor guy. <laughs> Sorry about that. But that was kind of mean. But, so, I mean, like I said, you have this gauntlet of doctors. So, um, that was one of the things. And then occupational therapy. You know, one of the things that I, you know, I've worked with friends who are occupational therapists. And I've worked with them in the schools. And, you know, I was like, oh, I don't think I'm going to need this. And then I went in and I really did Mm. like, you know, I was amazed things that I thought would be okay. Like going to the store. I remember going to Meyer like when I was discharged with my husband and I was like, because of the vision loss, things didn't look the same. It was really hard to get used to. I was on different medications. Um, I was having a hard time keeping my train of thought. I was like repeating words a lot. I was having a little bit of coordination issues. So, I mean, that was really, that was really, really hard um, in the beginning for yeah. me because like I kind of went from being a little bit of a super mom, you know, working, being a photographer, you know, teacher, mom, all these things, you know, a million miles an hour to like, I can't even go into Meyer anymore. Like this, mm-hmm it was hard to kind of like process through that. And there's a lot of like that, um, mental health component that goes yeah. into that. You just led right into my next question, which was, um, I was going to say that I imagine there's like a certain kind of grief almost that comes with this. Cause it's a little bit of a loss of normalcy. So can you talk mm-hmm. about that a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, through my life, I've gone through a lot of things that I think would be considered pretty traumatic. Um, like I lost my brother at a pretty young age. Um, you know, I've had two miscarriages in my life. So I mean, a lot of things that I thought, well, I'm pretty, I'm like Teflon, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm gonna be able to handle these things that life is throwing at me. And this really kind of knocked me back a lot um, because it, it was like, I wasn't in control of myself. Yeah. And I felt like, um, that I wasn't there for my son. I, there was a lot of um, like overwhelming, I don't know, guilt going into that, that I felt like 
I wasn't there for him. Like, you know, I should have been there making the, his Christmas wonderful. And here I was like laying in bed. Like I, I couldn't even do that. I slept through most of Christmas, you know, um, that I wasn't there to help my husband and to do these things. And, you know, they were kind of having to watch me go in and out of the hospital so many times that I was inconveniencing all these people. So that was, that was really hard to kind of wrap my brain around while I'm trying to recover from this. Right, you know? exactly. And how, what did the people around you do? I imagine, of course, that your husband was very supportive um, and that you were not inconvenienced and that's just how you felt. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. but, but I'm wondering too if there was kind of a loss of friends or if people kind of didn't know how to help you so they kind of backed away. We see that happen with other things, so I was curious about that. Um, so like my husband is incredible. He is like a really amazing man. He has stepped up and actually, you know, he told me, he's like, I guess I, I wasn't realizing how much you were doing. Yeah. He's like, you should have asked for more help. Like, he's like, I just got used to you doing it, you know? And some of it was just like, you know, I just got used to it and you know, you don't want to ask somebody. And then I think when he had to kind of be like Mr. Mom and doing all these other things, he's like, wow, it was a huge thing. But, um, you know, my parents have been very supportive and my husband's family who lives actually in Tennessee, they've come up multiple times and they've been super supportive. My friends are amazing as well. Um, I think that a lot of them like didn't know what to do. Right. Like they can, like they were concerned and worried, but they didn't know like how to help. And it's kind of difficult too, because like you listen to me and you would look at me and it doesn't look like anything's wrong. Yeah. Right. You know, and I think that you probably hear that a lot on your podcast is that, you know, people who have these things that you can't see. Exactly. You know, and so people are like, oh, you're feeling a lot better. Well, kind of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you is know, there something um, that you wish people would have done or like just for in the future if someone's kind of in this situation if they have a friend that is going through this like what should how could people have supported you maybe better so I think something that really stuck out in my mind um one of my best friends and this is like a weird turning point that stuck in my brain she always calls me and she's like do you want to go for walks because she knows that that's something like that I like to do and I can go out and do with my son and she came over and we went for a walk and I looked at her and this is like one of my turning points for me. I said, I'm struggling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she's like, I know it's okay. You know? And I think for me, and I, I think anybody who's going through this, just having somebody there to help you feel kind of normal, yeah. you know, that like you can talk and you know, that you, to do activities that you know you can do right. or to even just being mindful of like, you know, hey, we're inviting you out to this, but you may not be able to stay for the entire time, you know? Or even a few weeks ago, I went out with friends and I said, hey, I'm getting kind of a headache, I I need to go. Mm -hmm. And they were all really great with that. Like, oh yeah, you you gotta go, that's that's all good. Right. Don't don't apologize, I think that that's a good thing. I I hope I answered all your questions. Yeah, Yeah, and I think you saying I'm struggling is huge too, because I think it's really, 
really important that when we are struggling, whether it's with something physical or mental, that we say something that we that it's okay to tell your friend or somebody close to you, like, hey, I'm going through a hard time right now. I just need to put that out there instead of trying to hide it. And that is something for me. The people who know me, I think the best they um, they don't usually hear me say like I'm struggling. Like if I say that, that's usually <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> not usually something I say very often. Right. Right. Okay. So how long ago was this? Um. So it would have been last December. Okay. So, so it's still it's still pretty recent for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So how you we mentioned some of the things that you're still dealing with, but let's talk about that a little bit more. What what kinds of things are you faced with? Um. So I went back to work in February for a brief time, and um, my teaching assistant, who I had in there, she's like an amazing person. She was there and she's like, I just have to learn to follow you around (laughs) because she's like, I'm here to help you out. And so that was incredible. And you know, I think it was way too soon. Mm -hmm. I was still really struggling and then had another major neurological episode, like a mini stroke at the end of February. And now, um, you know, now I've been pretty, I've been getting a lot better. Um, I'm still struggling with, um, headaches and migraines, but, I'm starting to see a lot more improvement in those and trying to find the right doctors too and the right team that are there to help you. And it's really opened my eyes to, oh my gosh, like people with migraines and chronic headaches, it's, there's not a lot of help out there for that. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of neurologists don't know how to deal with it. Okay. And there's like so many different medicines out there and I haven't found like the best one for me yet. So that's been kind of a hard thing too is um I think I've tried like nine different medications for headaches wow. just in the short it, amount of time mm-hmm. wow. and so I just started um, Botox which hasn't it takes sometimes kind of a while for it to kick in mm-hmm. but I'm going to see a headache specialist tomorrow so <laughs> um but you know starting to learn about like okay this is coming on I need to zap it mm-hmm. um and how to take care of myself and knowing my limitations and when to scale back and when to ask for help. I think that's been a huge part of the recovery process. Yeah, for sure. And and you mentioned the vision a little bit too. So, and you said you still have trouble there. So does that interfere mm-hmm. with your teaching at all? You know, I'm actually just now in the building, I'm starting a new teaching job um, in August and um, you know, I don't think that with teaching now, like at first it kind of really bothered me. I was really afraid. Like what if something happens with a kid? Cause I, it's the right peripheral vision. So like I can still drive. Yeah. Like, drivers don't be afraid. Like I'm not <laughs> blind, like I'm still a good driver. And, um, so like I can see everything in front of me and I can, it's just my right peripheral vision that I don't have. Okay. And, um, I was really nervous, but now because of OT and doing like different, different visual therapies, like it's allowing me to be able to compensate and scanning and learning things in a different way and kind of like relearning how to do these different things. So now I'm not like lamenting that loss. I don't know if that makes sense. Like at first I was like, I just want my vision back. I just want this all back to normal. Like, and I think that's a huge thing when you're going through any type of trauma or you're going through any type of major illness is this like feeling of, I just want to be myself again. I just Mm -hmm. want to be normal. 
And I think it's been hard. I think it's been a process for me to learn like life isn't going to go back to exactly what it was. Yeah. But it, that's okay because it's changed like the fabric of who I am. Right. And it's learning like these victories and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are some of those like small victories that you would consider? Oh gosh. So, um, I feel like I've had some really good ones even this last week. So, um, one of the lovely side effects from like all these different medications is weight gain, (laughs) which, uh, yeah. (laughs) So like I had one medication that put 20 pounds on me in a week. I was like, so it's like not only losing part of you, but like losing some of your vanity. It's like losing your job. It's like, Oh, like let's just pile one more thing on top here. And so for me now trying to be active because it's hard when you have migraines to want to be active. Well, and be a mom and a teacher. (laughs) It's it's hard anyway to find the time to do that. Uh, Right. Yeah. And so, but Monday I went to my first boxing class, which I was like super proud of. It was loud music. It was something I hadn't done before. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go do this. I'm sweaty. I'm hot. You know what? I'm chunky, but I'm going to throw my weight around here and I'm going to do this. Boxing so. is an amazing way to let out some emotion, too. So you may find it helpful for your mental health as well. And I just felt, like, so strong. And I was like, wow, even if I can't see on this side, I still was, like, you know. Yeah. I, I was still able to do that. And so I was really excited about that. I did um, a photo shoot this week. And then yesterday I shot a wedding that I hadn't done that in a while. And it's these things that I hadn't done and I was like really nervous to do them. Like, what if I can't take pictures like I did before? Yeah. What if I can't exercise like I did before? And then, like, even my mom, I'm showing her some of these pictures. She's like, she's like, you still got this. Like, you're so good. You still know what you're doing. And so, and I know when I went back to work in February, I asked my teaching assistant, I'm like, do I still have my sparkle? Is it gone? And she's like, no, no, you, you still got this. Yeah, your passion hasn't gone away for sure. <laughs> But it's hard because you start like second guessing yeah. everything. Like, yeah. You know, and I second guess a lot of like my writing or even when I'm talking to you, like, oh, did I get off topic here? Like, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, you've probably lost some confidence along the way, I would imagine, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm glad it sounds like you're, you're kind of finding things to bring that back. So you put your photography on hold for a little bit, I'm guessing, as you were figuring things oh. out and recovering. You know, and it was actually kind of like a godsend because so some photographers shoot with their right eye mm-hmm. and some photographers shoot with their left eye. And then I never even thought of that. Like this wasn't even something I'd put in my brain before. And um, when I picked up my camera, I was like, I started to cry like a baby. I'm like, I shoot with my left eye. Thank God. Like Aww. God didn't take this away from me. Like I was. I was like, that That thought was devastating to me. Like, I couldn't pick up my camera again, and it wouldn't be the same. Yeah. But, and what um, made you want to get into photography in the first place? I, I guess I'm curious about that, too. Um, so, I get this question quite a bit. So, um, when my brother was very, very sick, um, he was in the hospital for a long time, and... Um, he asked for pictures of outside because he wasn't able to go outside. So I had like 
oh gosh, what was this? Like an iPhone three, like, <laughs> like yeah. the oldest iPhone. And I started taking pictures and I just really liked it. And I just kind of got started taking them. And then, um, when I graduated college, my parents got me my, my starter camera. And then, you know, people just liked me taking pictures of them. And I just kind of kept going and kept learning. And it's just been some, a nice outlet for me. It's been a good creative outlet and allows me to get beautiful pictures of my son and my family and yeah. allows me to kind of bring that to other people too. So that's awesome. Um, you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, but have you, um, have you gotten counseling or any therapy to kind of help with the mental health side of this? You mentioned that you've been through quite a bit of trauma before this, so maybe it was something you were doing before, but has that been part of your recovery? So I haven't gotten any formal counseling, but something um, I did do that I think, you know, I think that this is really important with any type of thing that you're going through. Like you have to find like your people, Mm -hmm. like, you know, and in our area, like the advertisement for people, you know, like for stroke survivors was like Monday morning at 10 o'clock at the bingo hall. Like that is, (laughs) that is not my, my, I'm sure they're wonderful, lovely people, but not quite like my tribe. So I actually went online and there is a group on Facebook called the Young Stroke Survivors Group. And when I joined that, it was like, it was life changing. Mm -hmm. They, it was like people like me who were young and had gone through this trauma and their fears and you know, everybody's kind of their journey has been a little different, but it's been like this massive place where, you know, I parallel parked my car for the first time on the right side with vision loss, which is no easy feat. And I put it on there and I'm like, Hey, celebration time. I did this. And it's not just like, you know, a couple of people telling you, Oh, cool. It's like 300 people that are liking your posts and, you know, congratulating you. And it's like this huge support, you know, and, And it's like just this amazing group of people that is so uplifting, you know, that are there for people, there for you when you're like, I'm struggling, I need help. You know, there, there are people who would send me messages like, Hey, Aubrey, how are you doing today? Hey, I saw that you went back to work today. How are you feeling? How are things going? Like that is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That's like actually something that comes up a lot too on this podcast is that as bad as social media can be, can also be really good because it can help connect you to people who are on similar life mm-hmm. paths to you or something happened to them that happened to you too. So, um, I think it's great that you were able to find that because yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's not a lot of in-person meetings for young stroke survivors, I would imagine. <laughs> no. So I, that was actually really amazing to find that. And I, I dial into that group every day. Yeah. That's great. So, um, what has all of this taught you about advocating for yourself when it comes to health? You know, I think I'm still learning that process, but I think you have to be your best advocate, like knowing something is wrong. Like if something is not right for you, like you have to speak up. Like if I wouldn't have been so adamant in the hospital of why can't I see why they may not even have know mm-hmm. like what had happened to me. Um, you know, cause there's, so this is odd too with, with stroke survivors, there's like all these medicines that you can't take. It's like contraindicated for people who have had a stroke. Okay. So I could have just been taking this medicine and had no idea. Right. You know, and 
even now, like when something doesn't feel right when I'm talking about like my health or medications they're they're asking or I'm like, no, 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 step back, step back. Like this is, I'm not comfortable with this. Or I'm like, Hey, what about this? You know, I've been researching and doing studies on this. Can you tell me more about it? And I think through all of this, and I've kind of experienced this, you know, through family as well, is that you have to advocate for your own health because sometimes you feel like you get on this like treadmill with, with doctors. They just kind of keep you going, keep you going, keep you going. And you have to be able to say, no, I'm not comfortable with this, or yes, I am comfortable. Or if you're not feeling like you're getting the help that you need, you have to go find somebody who will give you that help. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up. I've actually had people ask for that to be talked about, so I thought you'd be a good person to answer that. Um, because it is hard, and I think, I don't know, this might I might be wrong, but I think especially for women it's hard. I feel like anytime we don't feel well, people think we're stressed or pregnant, <laughs> when, <laughs> when really like something really could be wrong. So uh, I'm really glad that you, that you talked about that. What would you say to kind of women in our age range, you know, the, the 30s, um, about making sure that they are standing up for themselves. Just give them one kind of message to drive it home. Don't be afraid. Mm-hmm. You have to speak your truth. Yeah. You have to tell. You have to say what's going on. Another thing too, and I'm not advocating this like a you know I am all about empowerment, but I will say that if you are struggling health wise that I really think it's important to bring somebody with you that will help you advocate for your health. Yes. I agree. Because sometimes in the moment you might not know what to say, but the person with you might have a clearer head in that moment and can think of, can think of a question or can at least help write things down even, and then ask later. And you know, right now we're kind of going through an interesting time in the healthcare industry, you know, because of pain management, pain management's kind of a, kind of a a tricky subject right now, you know, and for me, you know, it, it feels very scummy almost in a way when I talk about like, I'm in pain. I, I, like, I need you to help me. Yeah. You know, please get me out of this pain. Like, you know, and my personal favorite is, have you tried Tylenol? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. I never would have thought of that. But you know, when I have my husband or my mom or somebody there, they're like, no, 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 no. Like, are you listening to her? Mm-hmm. You know, she's hurting. This is what she goes through. And, you know, I almost sometimes with doctors, and, and I don't really kind of like this, how it's going right now, is it almost takes that mm-hmm. for them to listen to you. Right. It almost, It's almost like you need another person there. And another person I, who's like, yeah, who's seeing it and watching you. They, mm-hmm. yeah, this kind of from an outsider's look. Yeah, that's a good point, too. That's something we talk a lot about um, with cancer patients too, is just the need for them to have a caregiver or somebody who's going to speak for them. Because when you're going to all those doctor's appointments, you you might not be in the right headspace to, to think of stuff to say. And you're kind of just like, okay, sure, kind of going along with it. So, which I'm not blaming anybody for. I think it just happens because you're, you're overwhelmed. So I think, mm-hmm. I think that's a good point to bring somebody with you too. Um, okay, so what would you tell others who um, may be going through the same thing you did? Keep going. Just keep going. Because you, you don't... This is a, Gosh, this is so hard. Because everybody's journey is so different. Yeah. That's yep. another thing. Is that 
don't compare yourself to somebody else. Don't compare your journey, your stroke journey, or anything else to another person. Don't you are where you need to be. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's something I learned along the way, is that. I was comparing myself to this person, to this person. And you start learning that, hey, this is where I'm at right now. This is where I need to be. And that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and that was something I really gained from the group because, you know, people who have a stroke, some people are learning to walk again for the first time. Mm -hmm. Some people have very little, you know, residual damage, you know, from a stroke. Or some people are dealing with more of the emotional side. So everybody's journey is very, very different. Everybody's support system is different. So if you're going through this, don't compare yourself, but just always forward. Yeah. You know, just just keep taking your wins. Do you feel like you'll be open with your son about what happened? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, I think that we teach our children about life. Mm-hmm. You know, and also I think when you teach kids about who you, being real as a person, you know, I'm, I'm your mother, but I'm also a person, you know, and that you teach them to be compassionate to others. Right. And I kind of have like a servant's heart myself. I think teachers are kind of that way is I'm always looking for ways that I can help other people. I was talking to nurses. I'm like, just do people in the stroke, the, the neuropsych ward or the neuro, the like the neural board there, um, not like different than like the, um, like mental psych, you know what I mean? But like the neurology strokes, stroke board, but, um, do they need anything, you know, because it like brings a different level of compassion Mm -hmm. onto it. And I really want to give that to my son. Like Mm -hmm. I want him to know that number one, his mom's a survivor. She's a fighter. You know, you have to fight for the things that are important in life and you know, that you have, that not all people are the same right and that everybody's going through something different you know i think it we owe it to our children to have them see the world not necessarily like in a cruel way Mm -hmm. but also that this is this is life this is real exactly yeah that's yeah that's really important you mentioned the young stroke survivors group are there other resources that you've come across that you would like to share with people That was a huge one. Um, You know, I think that there's different. um, So something that I found on different, I don't know if anybody's found this on social media pages, but um, sometimes like you get more specific and when you get into these big broad groups, they can kind of branch off. So like for me, I'm also part of like um, the chronic migraine page where people who have these like headache patterns and migraines are able to talk about it. Yeah. So and learning so that part um some people on there they have different medical groups where they talk about um, resources they're using to help or um different like walking um apparatuses and things to help them with their aphasia or different resources so i also think really really get into like with your occupational therapist i think therapy is the, the biggest thing that you can do okay are there any misconceptions that you wanted to clear up about strokes so strokes can happen to anybody at any time I don't want to scare people with that like oh no I'm killing right. with stroke <laughs> but like it just I think it's 
important to be aware that if something is really, really wrong, like if you're having any of these symptoms, you know, vision loss or difficulty speaking or like part of your body is hard of moving. And if you're thinking, oh, well, I'm 20 years old, you know, this shouldn't be happening. Well, it does. Mm -hmm. It's kind of crazy, you know. Um, it was incredible to me, like how many people that were young that this happens to. Yeah, so I, I actually have a coworker who I will probably interview at some point, but she had a stroke, and if it, ha and then they discovered that she had cervical cancer, which they're not related. But if she hadn't had the stroke, they would have found the cancer much later. So it's just kind oh. of inter yeah. And she was young when she had the stroke, um, in her late twenties, I believe. So. That she's the first person that I've known of that has uh, that had a stroke at a young age. So I think definitely keeping in mind that it doesn't, it's not just for older people. Like it can happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A lot of the topics that we talk about on here um, are mental health related. I haven't had a ton of the physical health related. I want to do more of those. But mm -hmm. one thing that I ask people is like, has this been portrayed in media in any positive or negative way? Um, so example, I just interviewed someone a couple weeks ago about autism and we were talking mm -hmm. that there's more and more like TV shows coming out where they'll have a character who's autistic. So have you seen anything like that in popular media? I don't feel like I have. Yeah. I don't, I can't think of anything either. Uh, there's nothing I can think of like that. I feel like if you're going to see something on TV, I always feel like it's a heart attack. Yeah. It's even kind of related to it. You right. know, like somebody's grabbing their arm and falling to the ground like yeah. a dramatic way of that but I, yeah you know it definitely I think would help you mm -hmm. know to be more aware of it you know um and again the hard thing about strokes is sometimes they present themselves in very different ways for different people right like so for me I didn't um, I didn't have like any of, except for the vision loss, I didn't really have any of the common symptoms because, so this is kind of an odd thing when you go into the hospital and they believe you're having a stroke, they have you read these sentences, they have you like articulate what's happening in these pictures and um, they have you do like different um, physical components like hold your arm up, hold mm -hmm. your leg up, you know, that kind of stuff. And I could pass all of those every single time. Yeah. So I was presenting, I wasn't presenting any of the common, any of the common really like ideas or conceptions right. of what you would have. Yeah. Yeah. That, so. make, that makes it, that makes it hard. I think I also, I don't know about you, but I've heard this a couple times in my life when sort of people joking about it. And I don't know if you've come across that after your stroke or if you noticed it before your stroke, but like if somebody's fumbling for their words, like I've heard people be like, are you having a stroke? And kind of joking. <laughs> um, and I think after talking to you, I might be a little bit more hyper aware of that, but is that something that you've come across? Uh, probably. And, yeah. you know, I think if somebody said it to me jokingly, they probably, I probably would laugh at them. Like yeah. I'm not overly sensitive about it. Like right. I'm, I'm not as sensitive as I was. Yeah. <laughs> because, um, and I'll tell you a funny story when that is over, but, um, you know, I think that, you know, sometimes I think that it can go both ways. Like people always intend nice things. I think yeah. that people are not trying to be cool. Right. You know, and I said things that can be very offensive 
not intentionally and maybe just unknowingly. Right. We all have. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but, you know, but at the same time, like I said, I I think that I've always just taken it as they're not trying to hurt. Right. You know? Yeah. But I will say that um, my family does ask me quite a bit, are you okay? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my, my family's so amazing. And I'm like, I'm okay. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like I'm all right. And, well, your family's you know, been through a lot too. So they might be just they, extra, <laughs> extra sensitive they, as well. Yeah. They have. Yeah. They certainly have. Yeah. You know, and um, one, it, this is a funny, not very funny story, but um, I want to say a week, maybe two weeks after I had my stroke, I went with my husband and my son to Costco, and how else do you go to Costco to get free tapas there? You know, it's like your free samples at Costco. So my husband's like, will you go get some samples? Because that's also like my son's favorite thing too. He loves to try all the different things. And so I just stopped in the middle of the aisle and just zoned out. Mm -hmm. Like, and this guy, he's like, get out of the way, and like, was yelling at me and I got like really honked off at him and I'm like really and then my husband's about ready to come to blows with him like you don't know what she's been through and I mean like of all the crazy things it's kind of a funny story because it's like oh this poor man had no idea what he was walking well, into yeah but, but first of all like you shouldn't yell that at anybody in the store <laughs> like <laughs> I don't know just be nice about it but that's yeah I don't I don't blame you guys for standing up for yourself a little bit there <laughs> but at the same time he said this guy had no idea what was coming yeah and so I'm like let's just go let's just go home like, right <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Well, before we get to my last two questions, is there anything else that you wanted to share? Um, maybe just, you know, I, I guess to try to be as kind as you can to people. You don't know what they're going through, mm-hmm. you know, and just because somebody looks okay, sounds okay. It doesn't always mean that they're okay. Right. And that's, you know, I wish I could convey that to more people. Like, you know, I said, some people are just fighting through things. And I think that's a big thing. Like for me, that's a big, pain is a big trigger for me. Mm -hmm. Like when I'm in a lot of pain, that's a really hard thing for me. Like I get very stressed out about it. Yeah. And even, but when you look at me, I probably don't, you can't see the pain. Yeah. You know, like it's not like somebody who broke their leg or, you know, somebody who's just had surgery, like people are more compassionate. Like, you know, one of my friends who just recently had, I actually two friends that had like leg surgery. They, I think probably get more compassion on that side than sometimes I do. And it's not a competition in any way, shape or form, but I think it's just because like you just don't see it. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, keep that in mind for people is that, you know, people are fighting battles. You just don't even know. Uh, that you just wrapped things up beautifully and really like kind of hit home why we're doing this podcast <laughs> because there's so many things that people are dealing with that you can't I mean even my sister her episode um, on infertility that's something that you can't see that's happening to a couple uh-huh. with you with your miscarriages I'm sure probably felt the same way that that you were we don't have to yeah. watch that if you don't want to but um, that that that's you're struggling with that you and your husband and that's not something that everybody can see and that's certainly something that people kind of flippantly are like are you guys pregnant yet are you pregnant yet and they have no mm. idea like the pain that you're dealing with so I'm glad you what, brought that point what, home. 
we went through that a lot when we had our miscarriages and that was really difficult. It was hard, especially too, being a teacher and mm -hmm. seeing people sometimes that could have children like no problem. Right. You know, it seems like they just got pregnant so easily. And, um, but yeah, I worked for Head Start too and, um, at risk, a lot of at risk families sometimes yeah. will have, um, challenging home situations. And sometimes it was hard for me on that point of view too, to see like families that would have that were having many, many children that they were struggling to care for. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and you never want to put that out there because, you know, they still want children, but it, yeah, it's, it's battles that you just don't know. And yeah. it's hard to see. Exactly. And you mentioned being kind to each other, which is a really great segue into one of my last questions, which, so my dad passed away also from cancer, um, but he always used to say, build each other up, don't tear each other down. And so I have mm -hmm. every guest give me somebody that they want to build up. Oh my gosh, I have like a list. That's okay, people. you can list as many as you want. <laughs> There's no limit. Oh my gosh, so first and foremost, my family, they, oh my gosh, like they are rock stars. They like between my husband, my parents, my husband's parents, my husband's um, sister and brother-in-law, my grandma, you know, they have been there through thick and thin, like, and never judging and just there to help. And I just, I, I, I can't even thank them, especially, especially like my husband and my mom, I call my mom, like, Mom, I don't even know how many times I call you. At least like two <laughs> times, two or three times a day, <laughs> and like you know, ask her things all the time. And my family, I could not appreciate you guys more. Um, you know, I've had a lot of people in my life that I feel like have really believed in me mm -hmm. and have continued to push me, and I'm so thankful for them. Like, there's just too many people, but. You know, in my journey, I, I feel very blessed for all of these wonderful victories that I've had and these wonderful people in my life that still love me for me, even though I haven't necessarily been my best Aubrey. So oh, that's oh, that's really sweet. Um, OK, and then I have everybody give me a fun recommendation. So it can be a book that you've read recently or a podcast that you enjoy or music, anything kind of fun that you would recommend to people. I'm going to have my husband roll his eyes at this one. So I'm really sad that this show is coming to an end, but favorite show women out there, watch Shane the Virgin. That's like been my go-to laughing slash crying show. I love that show. <laughs> I haven't watched it, but I've heard really good things about it. And my, my coworker Jess just told me that she and her, like I think her daughter is 13 or 14, just started watching it together. And it's like a good show that they can watch together that they both enjoy. So I think that's a great recommendation. Does your photography page have like a Facebook or Instagram page just so people yeah. can kind of support you? Yeah, I would love that. Um, Aubrey, A-U-B-R-I-E, Lane Photography. That's my Facebook page. And you can follow me on Instagram too. And so you'll see that nice little gap of time between photographs, but now I'm starting to pick up a little bit. And so okay. that's kind of a cool thing that I've been able to do. And it's been giving me a lot of joy to be able to bring that back. Anybody listening, if you have follow-up questions for Aubrey, feel free to reach out to me and I will get them to her. Um, and again, Aubrey, thank you so much. I appreciate it. I will let you get to your 
son and your husband <laughs> and, and uh, enjoy the rest of your Sunday evening. But if you have any 